In this episode, we're going to be talking about the start to the 2023-24 NBA season from some standout stories, surprise players, and some huge trades already going down. Let's just jump right into it. All right, welcome back everyone to Time Out Talk. And man, does it feel good to say those words. It's been quite the hiatus uh, just due, due to a lot of busyness uh, from me and Hunter. Just our schedule's not really syncing up, but we're back. The NBA season is in full swing. Um, we're about a couple weeks into the season now, and there is a ton to talk about. So enough dilly-dallying. Let's just jump right into it. And uh, let's start with some early season reactions. So I'm going to talk about some of the most maybe biggest storylines that have come out in the NBA thus far. And I want to get your takes on it, Hunter. So, so yes. far, the Memphis Grizzlies, um, who obviously shook things up quite a bit, bringing in Marcus Smart, getting a guy like Derrick Rose, uh, but suffering some really serious injuries, uh, mainly with um, with uh, Stephen Adams and obviously John Morant missing the first 25 games of the season. They are currently the only winless team in the NBA. They are yet to win a game and have looked to be faltering a little bit. So what do you think of this, Hunter? Yeah, I mean, you start off the season, uh, I believe they played the Grizz- or they played the Bucks. I think that was the opening game. Um, maybe I'm mistaken, but, you know, they, they've had some tough games there. They played the Nuggets. The Pelicans are a good team. But they do, and, and I mean, the Mavericks as well. So they've had some tough games, but they've also had a loss to the Wizards were very clearly not a good team, and they had a loss to the Utah Jazz, uh, who were mm-hmm. definitely underrated, but it was a blowout win. And obviously, that blow at the uh, kind of end of the offseason with Steven Adams not being available for the season is a big blow to them, because what what did we see uh, this summer from Jaron Jackson Jr.? We saw that he's definitely not a rebounder. And what did mm-hmm. they lose? All of their rebounding. They lost Steven Adams, they lost Brendan Clark, and now really, they're rely- relying a lot heavily on Xavier Tillman, who was actually surprised really good for them last year, but mm-hmm. just not enough, uh, especially with John Merritt being out, like you said, and just trying to figure out like kind of a new system, uh, especially because when John Merritt was gone, it was Tyus Jones who held down the fort and he's not there anymore. So there's just a lot of moving pieces. I will say, I think it's surprising that they haven't won a game yet, but you know, I think they'll come back and ultimately I think our predictions are going to be pretty spot on that they'll end up right back. It's sort of that play-in spot just because John Morant wasn't available. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that Jaron Jackson Jr. has been a bit disappointing to start the season. With Job ja being gone, you would have think that he could take this time to really make that jump in his game. I mean, we're talking about a defensive player of the year, right? A guy who's in all-star uh, conversations and obviously was an all-star last year. Um, or even a guy like Desmond Bain to take that leap. And while Bain has been good, he's definitely been by far and away their best scorer. I just think that they need more from the other guys around those two, you know, um, you know, you, you got guys like Xavier Tillman, uh, John Conchar, David Roddy, guys like that, like younger guys that have been on this roster for a while with so many vacancies with all the injuries uh, that we've just mentioned or absences to some of their most critical personnel. You got to take advantage of this time and really step it up. And the additions they did make like, Derek Rose and Marcus Smart, as I mentioned, have not been as impactful as we would have thought just yet. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm not too worried about the Grizzlies. I think that, you know, the foundation is solid enough there. Obviously, like, you look at this team starting out the season versus the same Memphis Grizzlies team last year. It's a completely different roster, pretty much, um, to really right. no fault of their own. So that's obviously going to take a lot of time to adjust. But I think Taylor Jenkins is a really solid coach in this league. And so I think they'll figure it out. Um, and obviously, once they get job back, I think they'll get uh, in a bit of a, a flow and the ball start to get rolling a little bit. Just it's going to take some time to get there. Yeah, and they have two games against the Blazers back to back. So hopefully they at least get one win out of that. And uh, there will be no winless teams in the NBA. Uh, but I guess I'll hop into the next sort of early season reaction. I think I'm, yeah. I was pretty surprised by uh, is the Bucks have been pretty good so far. I mean, solid, you know, Damianis combo. It's the big news around the NBA, but they're the 30th ranked defense. They're the worst defense in the NBA. So what are your initial thoughts? And what do you think has uh, been the leading cause of that? I mean, obviously, like you look at this on the surface and you think, okay, yeah, you give up one of your best perimeter defenders. Uh, for Damian Lillard, of course, your defense is going to suffer, but nobody thought it would suffer this much considering you have Brooke Lopez there, you have Giannis. Um, I just think that this pairing is going to take some time to get used to. I mean, the offense has been clicking for sure, um, although there have been some road bumps along the way. I mean, Dame against the Hawks had a pretty rough night out, you know, only dropping uh, six points, really abysmal splits. Um, and so there have been some bumps, um, also like last night, uh, against the Raptors where the Raptors, you know, put on a clinic dropping 130 points on them. Um, I just think that when you look at this team, you really have to think about the long-term sort of vision here. And I think that long-term this team is going to succeed, right? In the short term, though, there is a lot of adjustment to figure out in terms of how you're going to sort of compensate for Damian Lillard's lack of defense and also, you know, like how the system is going to work. I think that Giannis has never really played with a guy like Damian Lillard. And so while on paper it might just fit really perfectly, I think that, you know, there is actually a lot of small nuances that they're going to have to get used to. And so... I think it'll improve for sure. I don't see the Bucks being the worst defense in the NBA for the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, but early on, I do see that, yeah, some of these kinks are going to have to get worked out. Yeah, yeah. I, I would just add to that. I think Brooke Lopez, a guy who's been defensive player of the year candidate, really the, another anchor for this. He hasn't been particularly great on the defensive end. Uh, just mm. in general. So, you know, I think that'll improve, but I think there's, you know, a, a, it's a mix of things. I don't think Drew Holiday is the difference between you being the best offense or I mean the best defense in the worst defense in the league. That's just kind of a ridiculous overstatement. And, you know, you see some talking heads kind of already jumping to those kinds of conclusions and being like, maybe it was better for Drew Holiday to be there, you know, all these things. Uh, that's just absolutely not. That's, that's ridiculous. You know, this is adjustment. And people also forget Mike Budenholz, Mike Budenholzer isn't even here anymore. We're talking about a new head coach. I, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name right now. Adrian but, Griffin. You know, thank you. It's Adrian Griffin. And you know, there's an adjustment period to that as well. And you know, it takes time for coach to, coaches to work out the kinks and how they want to run their both offense and defense. So, you know, I, they're going to be fine in the long term. Yeah. Um. Kind of keeping it going. Uh. Let's talk about some teams that have been surprisingly really good. Um, the only two undefeated teams left in the NBA are the Dallas Mavericks 
uh, and the Boston Celtics. I think a lot of people would have predicted the Celtics would start the season really hot. Um, but the Mavericks being up here 4-0, that was surprising for sure. What are your reactions? Yeah, with I guess starting with the Mavericks, I mean, Luke Godontrich has really just started the season out for blood. Like, I mean, just incredible yeah. statistical performances. I believe he had like almost a 50-point triple-double with zero assist. I mean, sorry, zero turnovers. <laughs> like, that's yeah. just stupid, unheard of. Um, they've been playing really well together. I think, uh, you know, they've had a relatively easy schedule. You know, you play uh, the Spurs in your opener, although that was a close call. You know, Victor Wamanyama had a pretty good start. You play mm-hmm. Brooklyn, a solid young team. You play Memphis. You play Chicago. So none of these wins are outstanding by any means. I would say all these, at best, you know, the best team they played is probably Brooklyn, and Brooklyn is like a mid-tier, you know, Eastern Conference team. So ultimately, I think we'll see their next games against Denver. That's a real test for how good this team is. But mm-hmm. I like what I'm seeing so far. I like the offense is flowing. I think I want to see a little more on the defensive end. How do they stop Jokic? I mean, obviously, there's no stopping him. But what can you do? Like, what can Dwight Powell do? How does Grant Williams maybe slow down a guy like Jamal Murray or an Aaron Gordon? Like, what I want to see how they play against bigger wings, uh, faster wanna, team, better team. I want to say, like, Dwight Powell, I mean, this is a guy that basically is not in the rotation anymore because of their pick this year, Derek Lively. Yeah. What he's a revelation been he's been. You know, this is a guy that, like, is a hyper-athletic big that – you know, I don't think a guy like Luca has ever really played with in his career, you know, a, a real lob threat like that. And you see what's happening. The the lively Luca connection is in, incredible to watch and it yeah. really elevates this team. I also like a couple of the peripheral additions that they've made. Um, Grant Williams has been really good in helping this team's defense and even providing a bit of scoring. I mean, he had 25 points uh, the other night against the the Bulls. Same with Derek Jones Jr., you know, another athlete that can really explode to the rim and provide some some defense there. Just a couple of guys that can compete on that end of the floor and, and really boost them up. But no, I think Derek Lively is the second biggest story and obviously Luka Doncic, you know. Wow. If we're talking about a guy who's early in MVP talks, he would be the guy, right? Like he has been playing out of his mind, um, hitting some absurd shots. I think... I can't remember who was with. He ended a half making three straight threes. You know, he hit that incredible sort of three over the shoulder, falling backwards um, with one hand. That was against the, the Bulls? Was that I the Bulls game? I don't think it was against the Bulls. It might have been earlier in the season. No, um, I think it was the I think it was the Nets. I think they beat the Nets in that game. It yeah, just, it might have been the Nets. Stupid, but, to- like a toss-up bank in. Yeah. 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 He didn't even but, bank uh, that in. I want to get he back- swished it in. But I'm just saying, uh, Luca there, Magic I thought, is. I there was one he banked real. in. Probably. But any, anyways, I, I did want to talk about Derek Lively a little bit though. I think he's a lot like DeAndre Jordan. I think he's a very new school kind of, like plays that kind of way. And I think mm-hmm. that Luca is definitely similar to Chris Paul in that way that he's going to elevate big men like that and just give them that connection. And so I think this is kind of like a new school. Like, I don't want to call it like a Lob City connection because it's not like that at all. But like, mm-hmm. it feels like that a little bit. They got the fun offensive players. They have, um, you know, incredible, incredible talent, uh, good shooting. Um, also, I, I want to mention, I was surprised Seth Curry has been getting like practically no minutes on this team, which I thought he was going to be a big asset to them with his shooting. He's been there before. He, you know, he has knows the system and everything, and he just hasn't been playing. So that's, yeah, that was a little that, surprising. That has been interesting for sure. 
Um, I just think that, you know, there's so many guys in this team that I guess uh, Jason Kidd likes more. I, I think, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., now that he's back and he's healthy, he's been playing really well, which is good to see if you're a Mavericks fan. Um, and as well as, you know, like Maxi Cleave is always going to have a spot in the rotation. And then you got to factor in the new guys like Jones Jr. and Williams. So maybe Seth Curry ends up being the odd man out. I mean, he's he's a quality player, but he doesn't give you that much on on defense, which I guess maybe is the direction that uh, Jason Kidd has been trending towards this year. Um, yeah, Derek Jones Jr. has been getting a lot of minutes too, and he's looked pretty good. Yeah, I, I have a question, um, and this is genuinely because like I, I might not have paid that much attention, but Kyrie's been missing, right? Like, do we know what's up with him? Uh, no, I have no clue what's going on with Kyrie right now. So, if you want to look into that, go ahead. But I wanted to act, keep keep this moving, uh, yeah. and I did want to ask you about the Warriors because this was mm. a team a lot of people had question marks. Chris Paul. You know, how is this going to work to start the season? And right now they're 4-1. and one. You know, they're looking good. Uh, Draymond is back. They won their first game with Draymond back then. Uh, what do you think of what the Warriors are doing right now, being one of the higher-seeded teams in the West? I must say, it does look pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It does look pretty good. I might have, We might have to eat our words, Hunter, because the Warriors look solid, man. Like, you know, Chris yeah. Paul, the fit is really not as awkward as I was thought it was going to be you know he's really complimented their system and i think that having a smart playmaker a guy who can get to his shot in the mid-range as well and just a guy who's like just very composed under pressure has really been good for this team i think that you know i've seen him like play really well with that second string of guys like moody and kaminga uh sarich you know that second unit that steve kerr's rolling out and i just think that he I thought that he was going to conform the system around him and his sort of style of play, but he's really sort of bought into this warrior system and it's paid dividends. I also think that we obviously have to talk about Steph Curry and the superhuman level that he's been at. I mean, he's been dropping 40 point <laughs> 40 point performances left and right, you know, just classic Steph Curry stuff. But it's been incredible to see he had uh, basically a game winner against Sacramento the other night. Clay Thompson hit a game winner against Sacramento. So I will say though, like a lot of these wins are pretty close. It's not like they're blowing these teams out uh, by any means. But the fit makes a lot more sense when you see it on the court, and that's what's uh, I guess reassuring if you're a fan of the Warriors that it's not as awkward, it's not as stilted. Chris Paul does not look like an old man in a young man's game, he looks like he fits right in. And I think that is good signs for Warriors fans. What do you, what are your yeah, thoughts? I agree. I mean, I think, I, I don't think anybody doubted how he'd play with the second unit. I think everyone thought Chris Paul is going to unlock the young guys. Chris Paul is going to, you know, bring uh, Kuminga and Moody into the pick and roll. He's yeah. going to, you know, he, he's going to do what he does. And he has been doing that. One thing, Chris Paul has made one, three, the entire season, his, just kind of abysmal that's going to come around uh so not too worried there um but you know most of these games i think the biggest question mark was chris paul and Draymond playing together and they haven't played together a ton because Draymond just got back so i want to give it a few more games uh you know they just won they beat sacramento by one point in that clay game winner so mm -hmm. i want to see maybe three four more games of 
Draymond and Chris Paul playing together before I make any assumptions about this team. Because when you have one playmaker out there, one guy dictating the ball, I think it makes sense. But I think mm-hmm. the biggest question mark for me is can Chris Paul and Draymond coexist on the floor together? I think we've seen it in small bits, and I think the answer has been maybe. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to see it in a more long-term sense before I make any real assumptions about this team. Yes, because, I mean, I agree. I think that there might be the case that we have where it's too many cooks in the kitchen, um, where, you know, you have too many facilitators and not enough shooters out there, or just right. stuff of the sort. I will say, though, that, like, on the positive side, Clay Thompson has looked really good um, from what we've seen from him this season. I mean, that game against Sacramento was, I don't want to say vintage, but he looked great in that game making shots off the dribble. Obviously he's got the three balls still, um, but he just looked great. Um, and so if that's, that's good for Warriors fans. Um, I, yeah, I, I will want to see how the Warriors go. I'm still not sold fully on either the Mavs or the Warriors. I'm sort of tentative on them and I'm still big on the Bucks. but yeah, it is like, so been a little bit surprising to start the season um, kind of staying in the West here. I want to talk about the Phoenix Suns because I think we saw Bradley or sorry, we saw Devin Booker for one game uh, and then we haven't seen him since. And we still have not seen Bradley Beal in a Suns uniform playing official game and both have no expected timetable for return already. And we're only a few games into the season. So Hunter, are you concerned about the Phoenix Suns? Um, Is this all of your greatest fears coming to life already or do you just chalk this up to some early season woes? I think it's early season woes. I will say this is feeling a little bit like the new Brooklyn, right? Like mm. you have a big three, two of the guys aren't available for whatever reason. Kevin Durant is forced to carry a large load on him, his himself with a, a roster with pretty much no other talent. I think this team has some talent. You know, I don't want to diss any of the Suns players, but you get the the point I'm trying to make. And then yeah. Kevin, I feel like this is very much a recipe for Kevin Durant to have an injury, especially considering since post Achilles tear, I think he's been averaging like 60 or like 55 games played per season. And this is the reason why it's because he has to carry a, a massive load like this. And I think the difference between this team and the, you know, James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Beal and Book is that Beal and Book aren't drama queens. Right. Mm. Kyrie Irving and James Harden have proven time and time again that they thrive on the drama. They love creating it. They love being in it. And, you know, Devin Booker and Bradley Beal have never been those players. You don't hear stuff about them. I'm not concerned about it. You know, I just want to see their team at full capacity because I want the best NBA possible. And I hope Kevin Durant doesn't have to carry too much of a load while they're gone because I want him to be healthy as well. Yeah, I honestly agree with you there. I think that. I think the Suns team is still going to be really good. And they've been solid, you know. I think yeah. what we've seen is, like, we've seen those guys off the bench, like Grayson Allen that they brought in, like Eric Gordon, have some time to shine. I really – sorry, yeah, I didn't want to cut you off. But I want to no, say I really like Josh Kogi. Really love Josh Kogi. Mm. And I will say he is the new Avery Bradley for Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel loves his – defensive-minded guards who come in and give their 100% effort, and he loves starting these guys. He was starting in the first game of the season next to um, Book and KD. The, he pro- probably was taking Bradley Beal's spot, but mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who came in and has had an immediate impact. Uh, you know, This is a guy who's been getting a lot of steals, a lot of good transition buckets, uh, just playing really well all around. 
And I, I yeah. think I'm going to have to start. I'm going to have a little uh, man crush on them because, you know, I had to have my little man crush on Bradley Beal, and now I have to have my little man crush on uh, Frank Vogel's new You just follow uh, whoever Frank yeah, You just follow whoever <laughs> Frank Vogel likes. That's what we're figuring out. Um, yes, sir. I know. I I agree. I like I like a Kogi. I think that the Sun the Suns team is solid, and I'm still like yeah. they're going to be one of the best teams in the West. It is, yeah, it is a little concerning though, and very reminiscent of those Brooklyn teams with the big three. Um, I'm surprised you called James Harden a drama queen. I don't think I've ever. I can't remember a single time where James Harden has been involved in drama. So he's been a very you unproblematic think... player. I don't think there's going to be anything we could possibly talk about today involving James Harden. There's there's no way. Yeah. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so okay. I actually well, want to talk about. Some... Wait, oh, I want to ask one more thing. Ahead, um, ahead. sort of like another yeah, yeah. surprisingly disappointing team in the East. Right, we look all the way down at the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings, and who do we find but the reigning Eastern Conference champions, the Miami Heat? Um, I mean, obviously, yeah. after striking out on Damian Lillard, people's were pretty low on the Heat, but I don't know if anyone expected them to be this poor to start the season do you expect this trend to continue uh do you think they're gonna find their form what are your thoughts on how miami's looking yeah i mean honestly their offense has just been pretty abysmal mm-hmm. that's i think that's really where it stems from i think bam out of bio has had some really good games he looked he's looked good at the start of the season he's averaging 22 points a game uh you know just he's doing his thing i think jimmy butler as usual kind of coasting during the regular season not really putting up those numbers Kyle Lowry has been a big disappointment for sure. He's only, you know, averaging six points. Just he's old, right? He's what like he's just getting to that point in his career. Can't mm. rely on him anymore. And I just really don't think they've had that many guys who've been like lighting it up. Obviously, Tyler Hero has been the the only real consistent offense for them. And I think that's their biggest issue is Tyler Hero goes out of the game and they just can't score a bucket. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that Tyler Hero's been one of the few bright spots, but Jimmy Butler has been really disappointing. Um, and I think you feel the absence of, you know, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, those guys. I and I don't think, I don't think we've seen the same production from a guy like Caleb Martin. Um, or Haywood Highsmith. He's not like, you know, he can't replace those guys. Yeah. And I mean, like, obviously the, that what Miami's going to do, they're always going to find guys to, um, to sort of roll out that, uh, they're going to try to bank on. And so like, you've been seeing big minutes from guys like Drew Smith or Jamal Kane. And it's like, even, even, uh, even Jaime Hawkins has been getting a lot of minutes. He's been getting like 18 minutes a game, you know? Unless... Yeah. I mean, they, they're kind of looking to whoever they can yeah. get right now, but I don't know. I think they'll, they'll, they'll get better. I mean, Miami is not going to be one of the worst teams in the league. They, they could honestly be another playing team again, but we know that come playoff time, they're a whole nother beast. So right. like and regular season. Martin. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I was just going to say like regular season, it's really tough to put a lot of stock into what Miami's doing, considering we've seen them right. outperform time and time again in the playoffs. Oh, I agree fully. And then also I think the fact that Caleb Martin's been missing, he only played one game, you know, yeah. that's definitely a big hit to them so far. And he was a lot of their offense in the postseason, even with, Max Truce, Gabe Vincent, and all those guys. So when he comes back, I think it will become a little more consistent. Uh, but, you know, we could be seeing them as a playing team. I might have overestimated how good this team was going to be uh, in my preseason predictions in the standings. But, you know, got to make some bold predictions, right? Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. 
All right. Um, I want to get into some individual guys, though. Talk about hmm. who has been kind of really surprising so far from an individual perspective, not just the teams. Uh, but give me some guys, both good and bad, who you think have been surprising this season. Sure. Um, let's start with Anthony Davis. I mean, he's come out starting really strong for the Lakers. I mean, defensively, he's been locking down on that end of the floor, looked really fluid on offense, getting to his spots, um, looking dominant, you know, not backing down, not being passive, not settling. And he's been a big part of why the Lakers have had a good start to the season. So I think Anthony Davis is definitely a guy that I would say has been surprising in a positive light. And then I'll give you one guy that I think has been really disappointing. And it's personally aggravates me because I drafted him with my number 16 overall pick in NBA fantasy. And that's Jordan Poole. I mean, he was basically oh. given the keys to a franchise. The the executives at Washington basically told Poole, this is your franchise now. And so he has had the opportunity to elevate his game, to be an all-star, to be the face of the franchise. And what has he done? He's been incredibly mediocre, incredibly inefficient, a turnover machine, just a walking low-light reel. And I am suffering because my fantasy team <laughs> is losing. But more than that, I think that pool has been really disappointing. I think everyone kind of wanted to see what he would be like at, you know, as the bus driver, as the guy leading the ship. But so far, it's been nothing short of a disaster, I want to say. It seems like the jacuzzi has been the highlight of the pool party. If you know where I'm coming from, because I, I got coos, I got coos on my fantasy team, and he's been lighting up for me. So, yeah. sorry, Rafa, but um, no, for real, I, I agree with you on both those picks. Anthony Davis averaging three blocks a game, just being the kind of the dominant, you know, defensive player and taking on a large load on offense. What we, I think this, I wouldn't say this is surprising for me though, because I think I expected Anthony Davis to come sure. out being dominant. LeBron year 21 like I think this was a narrative that Anthony Davis had to be this way for Lakers to win games and I think it has been like that um I agree with you Jordan Poole I think is surprising he's only averaging 17 points a game horrible efficiency high turnovers uh but you know I think it's gonna take time for him to adjust to being the face of a franchise because he's always been in a very um catered system a very you know not strict but you know there's a specific mentality that comes into playing with the Warriors, playing with Steph Curry, playing with Draymond Green. These guys make everyone, all the shooters around them look better. And then he goes to Washington where there's very little or lack of a culture, lack of a system. He they, They're basically telling him, you are the system. And mm-hmm. he's kind of lost a little bit. So I think it's going to take fine time for him to find himself and what that means as an individual and not just as a team. Uh, and yeah. I think that's kind of one of the difficult things about being a player in like, let's say Miami or in, in uh, you know, golden state is you go to these other teams and it's just a totally different vibe than you were used to and what made you a special player and then you have yeah. to find yourself again a little bit so like you know, people say, talking bad oh go ahead go i was ahead. just gonna say i will say it has been fun watching coos and pool sort of have that like they're almost yeah. like the inverse shack and kobe like they're, they're just so funny <laughs> they, they do they the dumbest things kobe. yeah they like you saw when uh they were down about 20 points to the Atlanta Hawks and they go for a lob off the backboard. <laughs> They're down 20 <laughs> points. What are they doing? It's so fun to watch. It's like the best team to watch when you just want to laugh or just like watch some like so bad it's good kind of basketball. Like, as, like I could I could get behind being a Wizards fan, like knowing that my team will never win the NBA championship like in history and just being like, I'm okay with that. You know, I just want to enjoy 
what I what I have here. Do you want to? Sorry, a nice just a bit of a side note. Do you want to hear the craziest thing I ever saw in my life that happened on Halloween a couple of days ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was at a concert and somebody was wearing a Wizards Johnny Davis jersey. I was like, <laughs> why do you own that jersey, dude? And then Johnny Davis averages like three points. What are you doing? You have to be like related to Johnny Davis to own the yeah, Johnny I... Davis jersey. Like that's the only reason. Yeah, that, that hey, has maybe to be. maybe he was a cousin, you know. Maybe, maybe he was a cousin. Maybe. But anyways, um, yeah, but another I'll, guy. Let me get I into wanna... a few guys. Oh, or, yeah, sorry. You, you go can ahead. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'll give a guy. We already talked about Tyler Hero, so I'll stay away from him. A guy who I wanted to talk about who's been not necessarily surprising, but I think I was expecting a lot from him, and he's even outplayed that, and that's Tyrese Maxey. I think he's mm. been really wonderful to watch. Yeah. I think we expected him to come in and sort of replace not not even replace but you know, try to emulate james harden a little bit try to take over that role try to be the facilitator uh the offense and assist joel Embiid in you know making something happen and he's been above and beyond that i mean he's averaging 30 points a game he's the player of the week in the east like he's really fulfilled his role and i really love it because tyrese Maxey's such a likable person so i'm very happy that he's thriving there um and i guess the guy who I'm sure we'll talk about a little more later, but has been disappointing so far is Scoot Henderson. I think this is a guy we thought that was ready to come into the NBA and have an immediate impact. Kind of was also given to the keys to the franchise. Um, and he's just not played great. It's you know hard to see, especially because when you think his game's so uh, translatable, he's coming from the G League, so there's a little more carryover than playing in college. Uh, and he's just had a few stinkers in a row, high turnover games, uh, low efficiency games, you know, single-digit points, multiple nights in a row. Uh, so what do you think you're seeing from Scoot and uh, also Tyrese Maxey? I mean, one thing that we've definitely seen um, as a trend throughout NBA history is, like, a lot of, like, really um, prominent guards have a tough time adjusting to the league. It's a lot harder, in my opinion, to adjust to the the pace and the intensity of the NBA as a sh- smaller guard than it is as a big man you know like you just have more of the physical attributes if you're seven foot coming into the league as a top prospect like Derek Lively for example as opposed to a guy like Scoot Henderson so I'm not too concerned yet for um Scoot I think that you know we have to give him like 20-ish 30-ish games to sort of maybe adjust maybe half the season um you know even sometimes players take their whole rookie season to just sort of get used to the NBA, get used to the the pace of it all, and just, you know, the amount of games you have to play. And then they really have that sophomore breakout season. So I think Scoot is talented enough, he's athletic enough, and he has enough of the physical attributes to really be a, 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 an amazing player in this league. Maybe we sort of overestimated how quickly he would adjust, considering he was playing in the G League. Um which we we think is so adjacent, but I have not given up on Scoot Henderson yet. I'm still pretty high on him. Uh, but Tyrese Maxey, man, he's taking that leap. I fully expect him to be an all-star this year, especially now that James Harden's gone. He's the clear number two in Philadelphia and could not have come at a better time, right? With all this drama about James Harden, Philadelphia was more than happy to let him go because Tyrese Maxey's been making this jump. He's been dropping 30 bombs like, it's nothing, and they really need that scoring from him. And he just compliments and beats so well as a guy who can, you know, shoot the three ball, get to his floater game, get to the cup, 
um, and just a, a phenomenally quick athletic player. So I'm a big fan of Tyrese Maxey, but I also have not given up on Scoot just yet. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't think anybody should be giving up on Scoot. This is a guy, you hand him the keys to the entire offense. That's a, a tough job, like you were saying. Um, but as far as Tyrese Maxey goes, did, by any chance did you see his uh, pod, podcast with JJ Redick? Uh, where he was talking know. about just like, oh, like basically JJ just asked him, like, you've had a very unique experience entering the NBA. You enter the NBA during COVID. So your first year is different than most people. You know, you don't have a, a normal college experience. And then you come into the NBA, your first season, the Ben Simmons fiasco happens. Your second season is sort of normal because, you know, Ben Ben Simmons is now leaving. James Harden's coming in. And then your third season, James Harden decides he's not playing anymore. Like, that's just a very weird position to be in. And so Tyrese Maxey was just, just talking about that. And he was very likable in the way he was talking about it. He was just very much like, you know, that's kind of just the normal for me. I'm just coming in and I want to do what my role is supposed to be every single day. And it's always going to be a different role, but I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And I think he's clearly shown that. So good for him. Yeah, showing um, a lot of maturity I, I, there. Yeah, I want to get in some into some early season award races, very mm. early season award races. But yeah. Rafa, we you kind of hinted that, you know, you had Luka Doncic in there, but who do you think is your early season MVP? Maybe give me one or two guys. Okay. I'm going to, I think I'll go play it safe. I'll say I have uh Luka there for sure. I think Luka mm-hmm. has been, you know, incredible. Um, I think by far and away has been the best player so far. Um, then I'll also go, I think I'll go Steph Curry as well. I mean, Steph Curry's had an amazing start to the season. Just like, you know, he's averaging about 31 points, five rebounds and four assists. Um, he's been lighting it up from three and just being so confident. He's a huge part of why the Warriors are winning so many games early on this season against quality teams too, like the Sacramento Kings. So I'll say those are my two guys right now. Um you got some different picks or anybody else you want to throw in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with those two picks. I'm not necessarily saying this is my top guy, but I think you have to throw Tatum in there right now. You're talking about, mm. you know, also another uh, a winning team. They haven't lost a game yet. This is He's averaging 30 and 8. You know, he's doing his thing, good efficiency. Uh, you know, he's just stepping it up, and they're a great team. So I think he has to be included in that conversation. Um. And then, as always, like your, your usual guys, like the Jokic. I mean, it's kind of we, we've become numb to these Jokic stats just because of how he does it every single night so effortlessly. Kind of, I think the same thing has happened with Giannis. Like, we could put Giannis in this conversation as well because these, mm. you know, he's doing the same thing every night so effortlessly that even five years ago, it would have been like, oh my God, this is crazy. But, you know, Jokic is putting up a triple double pretty much every single night. So you still have to include him there. It doesn't matter if he's one, two already. Mm. So yeah, I think those are the two guys I'd add in there. Okay, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think those are some valid names, and obviously, yeah, Jokic is always going to be in the running, and Tatum, I feel like, is always a guy we talk about too. Um, moving on, uh, defensive player of the year. And it's really hard to say early on, but like very early. I mean, are we talking about Anthony Davis right now? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you have to have Anthony Davis in there. I think uh, maybe like I think it's too early, but like. He even say like Chet Holmgren have a he had a seven block game. I think he might end up being in the conversation. This OKC is going to be a good team, so if he keeps up like these high block numbers, he's looked really good from a defensive standpoint. He's been a great anchor for this OKC team, so I think he has to be in the conversation. But really, I think clearly Anthony Davis is the best defensive player. The question is, does Anthony Davis play enough games to qualify? That's that's my question. 
Yeah, and I mean, knock on wood, he he talked about wanting to play all 82 right. games. So let's see, let's see. Um, rookie of the year, you got any uh any names so far? Yeah, I mean, really, I think you have to say it's either Wemby or Chet. I mean, they've just been the best players so far. Like, I think that was pretty self-explanatory. Do you have any uh, sleeper guys that you want to throw in there? Um, sleeper guys. I think that now, really, for me, I just Wemby. I think has been amazing to see Chet as well. Uh let me think. Maybe am I blanking on anyone right now? Oh, oh, oh yeah, definitely. I, I want to say the Thompson twins have been so good. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I can't Asar really especially. Say, yeah, I think Asar in Detroit. He's been um really good he's defensively locking guys uh, up yeah he's he's had some amazing like just sequences where he's you know one-on-one with one of the premier like scores in this league and just like sticking with him the whole time playing amazing defense all around just been very very solid his three ball just hasn't really been there yet but i'm sure he'll find it um but yeah he's been sort of doing it all on both ends of the floor so Definitely, uh, probably Asar Thompson. I would say is is in there as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a good guy to throw in there. Uh, moving on, who do you have as your coach of the year? I mean, this is kind of just like what team is going to win the most games, you know? So I mean, what so far think? it looks like Joe Mazzula for the Boston Celtics, but I mean, maybe Jason Kidd. I mean, that those are just the two <laughs> undefeated Kidd. teams, bro. If I, Jason I'm... Kidd wins a coach of the year, that would be so funny. Crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. That's true. But I also want to shout out. I want to shout out Willie Green for the for the Pelicans. I mean, they've been pretty yeah. good to start the season. I mean, they've had Zion so far, and they've looked great. You know, who has not looked great? Zion has not looked great, but they have looked great. I mean, I think Zion's looked pretty good. Like he's been playing. He has not been like a standout um, player, but I mean, they're winning games, and Zion is putting up decent numbers, right? Like twenty. One seven and four on like fifty five percent true shooting. So like that's not all star levels. That's not superstar levels. But he's doing what he needs to do. He's catching lobs. He's attacking the basket, getting to the line, and Which they're I winning think games. Isn't, so isn't what, that's what I mean. Look, I, I'm not here to hate on Zion or anything, but that's just not what you want to see out of the guy who's supposed to be like the next great player. So you yeah, know, no, I think I, I think he'll there. get there. I think it'll take time, but. He does it's, not it's look fine. in we the best to shape. I'm going to be honest, today. he doesn't look like yeah. he's in the best shape. Yeah, which is surprising considering this is a guy who's been told over and over again he needs to lose weight. He's injury prone. He needs to like take things seriously. And it just doesn't seem like he's done that. But, hey, maybe we're hating a little too much. Maybe uh, who so. do you have as your sixth man of the year? It's a little early again for sixth man of the year conversation. but I want to shout out a guy – in Brooklyn, Cam Thomas. I mean, way what a way to start the season for him. I mean, he, like, his past few games, his first three games, actually, 36 points, 30 points, 33 points, and he's been doing all this coming off the bench. I think that, you know, he's looked really, really good over there in Brooklyn. He had a bit of a return to the mean uh, against Miami, where he only had 13 points, Um but still, I think that he's been just a complete spark plug off the bench, and I'm glad that you know he's finally getting some run because he was literally doing this last year, and then they never played him. So I was uh, a bit baffled by that decision. But, uh, yeah, it's good to see him back in the rotation. And so he'd probably be my early pick. But, you know, as of right now, it's a bit too early to tell. 
Yeah, I agree. I think another two guys that throw in there, Emmanuel quickly. I think he's been really good for the Knicks. And um, Norman Powell is another guy who just always really solid. Um, but I think that the more interesting one is going to be most improved player of the year. Because I think we've seen enough already to catch on who's made that jump. So Rafa, do you have anybody that you'd like to say you think is in the lead for most improved player? I mean, we talked about Tyrese Maxey, and I think that's a bit of the obvious pick here. He's, you know, took a leap from being like a good player to an all-star level player, which I think, you know, we typically see winning at most improved player, like guys who make that kind of leap. But honestly, another guy I want to shout out is Scotty Barnes. He has came out this season looking really, really solid. You know, his offense looks a bit more fluid. He's a lot more efficient this year, more confident in his jump shot. Um, you know, he's shooting the ball really, really well and just kind of doing it all, like averaging a double-double as of right now. And it's translated to a couple of quality wins over Minnesota and over Milwaukee. So I'm going to shout out Scotty Barnes too. Um, So those would be my two yeah. guys. Do you have anybody else that you're thinking of? Yeah, I have a guy. I got to see him in playing college live. It was a, I actually started following him then, right then and there when I saw him because I just thought he was an incredible player. And I'm talking about Jalen Duran when he was playing at Memphis. Mm, yeah. I really think he has been incredible. This is another guy you could honestly argue defensive player of the year conversation. Like He has been so good for this Pistons team. And I don't know if you saw the stat, but he is the second teenager to ever drop 20, uh, at least 20, 15, and 5 in the game. And the only other guy to do that is LeBron. And yes, it's one of those like little bit of cherry, it's one of those little bit cherry picked stats, right? But it's still very impressive that he's still so young. He's 19 years old. And, uh, you know, he had a 2015 and 5 game. He's been getting, uh, he's really good on the glass, defensive and offensive. He's just a physical presence, uh, really good, um, you know, rim protector as well. I think he has to be in the conversation because he just had some incredible games. And I don't know what he's averaging, but I want to say it's got to be like a 2010 and around those numbers because he's just been great. Yeah, Jalen Dern has been amazing to see. I mean, he's averaging like 15, 13, and two blocks, 70% true shooting. It's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so 15 and 13 is incredibly impressive for a guy who's 19 years old. You know, it doesn't matter if he's doing it on the Pistons. You know, I think he has to be in the conversation for sure. I just want to say the Pistons, man, like they have a really bright future. And they, I mean, they've played pretty well so far this season. But I mean, like you have Asar Thompson, obviously, he's looked great. Um, Cade has been looking really, really good to start the season. Jaden Ivey's been solid. Um, Beef Stew, uh, Isaiah Stewart's there. And then obviously, like Jalen Dern. Asar? Yeah, that's Asar, what, Thompson? Yeah. Asar Thompson. I mean, like they yeah. they have a big team you know they have a lot of big guards which i think are like you know really the archetype that the nba is trending towards with asar thompson with kate cunningham and so that's just a recipe for success and they have the sort of prototypical athletic defensively focused big man with uh both isaiah stewart and jalen duran so i think they're a team that's really built for the here and now and so i like what they're cooking up in detroit yeah last thing i'll say about Detroit is I think it's really sad to see Marvin Bagley has been outplaying uh oh my god James Wiseman James mm. Wiseman has gotten like basically zero minutes zero playing time this is number one overall pick and uh you know he's just kind of sitting on the number bench two now. number two number two this, uh, sorry yeah he was number two overall pick he might be one of the next big busts we have to talk about we have to start talking about that a little bit 
Yeah, I mean, uh, what a disappointment he's been. But, yeah, it's crazy. You know, Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman, former number two overall picks, guys just going at it, competing to be the backup center in Detroit. It's pretty (laughs) sad to see the fall from grace, honestly. Yep. But uh, talking, uh, you know, talking about disappointing things, the in-season tournament is happening starting tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that answers the first question I had for you, which is, do you think this is going to be a successful event? And this is my initial reaction to this was this is way too early to have some sort of NBA yeah, event going what? on. Like, like it doesn't feel really, doesn't it feel too early for the in-season tournament? I know it's a month long thing, but like, I feel like this should start in like maybe December, like late December, like Christmas time, like around then. Like that's what I feel like Christmas time, post Christmas is like when people get fatigued of the NBA. But this feels a little too early to me. So what are your thoughts on that? It's, you know, if you told the average person on the street, oh, the NBA in season tournament is happening tomorrow, they'd be like, what are you talking about? What even is that? (laughs) Is it a tournament? No, that's the crazy thing about it. It's not a tournament, it's just regular, like in season games that count towards some sort of leaderboard that eventually gets pulled into like an actual tournament. So the whole format of it doesn't make sense. It's rushed. There's no stakes behind it. There's no weight. It just, I'm, I've never been less excited for something in the NBA. And the fact that the it's NBA this is pushing early, it so hard. The NBA is pushing this so hard. They've spent so much money on advertisement for this thing. Every single day game commentators are talking about it. It's like literally everywhere. You can't avoid it. And it's kind of, making me more and more annoyed. Yeah, it's just, I think it's going to be a big disappointment. I mean, it already is, like, very underwhelming. But, I mean, what are we going to, like, be like, <laughs> wow, the Denver Nuggets are the in-season champions. Let's go. Like, I don't I don't really care. I'm sorry. I just ring really cere- don't care. They're going to have the ring ceremony and the banner coming down. And yeah. Every, celebrate. Now, if the Warriors win, Clay Thompson is going to be holding up five. He's going to be holding a five now <laughs> instead of four. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I just want to quickly cover that since it does start tomorrow. I don't really think we're going to be talking about it, though, until the actual tournament games start in like a month. Um, but let's talk about the elephant in the room. We kind of started talking about it a little bit earlier. But James Harden, this whole situation is kind of coming to a close, even though there's still drama going on somehow. Yeah. Um, the Clippers <laughs> and Sixers finally come to a close on the deal. And the Clippers end up with James Harden and P.J. Tucker. And the Sixers end up with Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin, two first-round picks, including one from OKC, two seconds, and a pick swap. Um, you know, the Clippers are able to end up holding on to Terrence Mann. They they got their wish. They didn't lose that him. And uh, it looks like the Sixers kind of had to fold a little bit. So who do you think won the deal? The, can I say no, neither team won? Because that's kind of the way I feel. Like, I don't really get why the Clippers feel they need James Harden. Like, James Harden, in my opinion, is a bit of a cancerous player. Like, he has sort of plagued every single team that he's been on since Houston. Um, I don't really see the fit all that well. It just feels like there's too many guys that are going to want the ball over there in L.A. Um, between, obviously, Russ, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, which, by the way, would be like the craziest team of all time in 2015. Like, if you said <laughs> that team was all together on the same team, people would be like, how many championships are they winning? Versus now, it's just a bit of an underwhelming team. You're sacrificing a lot of depth, you know, trading away a starter in Robert Covington, 
and then roll like, like what guys. Are you, what are you talking about? Robert Covington barely played. He never played for them. Like he was basically. I benched. swear to God. I swear to God. Robert no, Covington Ro- played for them. No, Nick Batum got good minutes. And you're losing Marcus Morris and Nick Batum, who are decent role players. But Robert Covington basically got no minutes for them. And I'm actually happy for him to go back to Philly because he used to play there and he was a solid player when he was in Philly. Uh, to me, the more disappointing thing in this trade is how many, how much draft capital the Clippers are giving up. Right? You keep Terrence Mann, but like I think the Clippers are in a really bad, bad spot if the season doesn't go right because James Harden. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are all expiring contracts, right? So these guys could all decide to leave on a dime. And if these guys all decide to leave, you have sold the next six years of your future. You, you have no draft capital until 2030, literally 2030. That's like that. Honestly, you could say this is worse than like what the Brooklyn Nets did to themselves in getting Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett in, in that trade. Um, like, you know, we could be seeing another one of those situations where the Sixers you know, fleece the Clippers if the Clippers end up being, you know, unhealthy again, like they historically have been. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, <laughs> I see you trying to look up the Robert Covington minutes. Dude, he literally, I'm telling you, he literally, he starts for them. When Terrence Mann got hurt, he starts for them. And he okay, plays I, I, quality minutes. I'm saying they I, lost like a few guys that played quality minutes for them. I would buy that Robert Covington maybe got a start, but like last year he got no no playing time, like literally zero. And maybe this year he's been getting a little bit because the roster is depleted. But I don't think he's that big of a hit to the six to the uh, Clippers. I think Nick Batum and Marcus Morris were a little bit more, you know, active in the rotation. But you get PJ Tucker, another solid rotation player. Who I was shocked to hear this. He's the second oldest player in the NBA behind LeBron. Um, so, you wow. know, we did get to see we did get to see him play in the Clippers uniform yesterday against that Lakers in a scary, very scary game if you're a Laker fan. God, yeah. I, I don't want to wrap this background to the Lakers, but the Lakers always find a way to give me a damn heart attack when they play. It doesn't matter if they're winning by 10 points with two minutes left in the game. They're going to find a way to make it go to overtime. Uh, yeah. Lakers, Lakers rank closed. But P.J. Tucker looked a little lost out there. Um, and I think that'll it'll come. And James Harden definitely needs to get back in the game shape because looking at him on the bench, he definitely looked like he had a little bit of a belly. He was getting that fat suit ready for the the Sixers for sure. Yeah, he's uh, eating too so... many of the honey buns. He was just, uh, <laughs> you know, fattening up a little bit. But I just, I don't know. I look at this Clippers lineup and I'm just not very threatened by it. I'm not very like impressed by this lineup. There's a lot of big names, but just, I don't think that it's going to work. I'm sorry. Just like gut feeling, I just don't think this is going to work. You know, ultimately, I think the biggest loser in this trade is Russell Westbrook. And I say that because Russell Westbrook needs the ball in his hands to do anything. And James Harden's going to take away that that ball handling role because James Harden is a more consistent, better, uh, you know, less turnover prone ball handler. And Russell Westbrook in an off ball role we've seen with the Lakers will never work is never going to, you know, players are going to leak off of him. They're going to clog the paint, and it's going to be a mess on the offensive end, and he can be a defensive liability sometimes. So I really think that Russell Westbrook is the loser here because if James Harden is the one with the ball in his hands, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook can't do anything. I think James Harden's going to have to learn to work a little more off ball, um, which I don't know if you saw his comments, but he said, I am not a system player. I am the system. 
And he said that after having been on three teams in three years, demanding three trades, you know, not really winning anything. And he said he also felt like he was on a leash with the Sixers. And he clarified that comment. And he said that meant like he felt like he wasn't free to do what he wanted to do. Um, so, you know, this is a guy who clearly still thinks that he is the primary ball handler, feels he is the same player he has always been. You know, this is a guy who averaged 20 and 10 last year. But what does that mean for, like, Russell Westbrook? What does that mean for this offense? What does that mean for kind of the, the player camaraderie on this team? Like, I think there's a lot of questions. Is he is James Harden delusional? That's my question. Because what does he think is going to happen in L.A. where he's legitimately going to be the third option behind <laughs> behind Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Like, he went from being the second option in Philly to the third option in L.A. So, does he think that his role is going to expand? Do you think that he's going to get more <laughs> isolation plays? No, he's going to take more of a facilitator role than he even did in Philly because in Philly, they needed his scoring. And we saw that in the playoffs. Like, what do you mean you were on a leash in the playoffs? You were allowed to do whatever you wanted. And guess what you did? You flopped in game seven. You had single digit points. No, especially because did. Joel Embiid was injured. Joel Embiid couldn't like do what he wanted to. They were relying on James Harden. Exactly. And so I think James Harden is one of the more delusional players in this league. I don't think that he understands where he is anymore as a player or like how to actually win basketball games. I think he's kind of stuck in the past of who he was as a player. I'm I'm just I, not I big on him anymore. I disagree with you in, in some sense. I don't think James Harden has ever been a different type of player. I really do, do think James Harden could still average 35 points a game. He's averaging, he's just choosing to facilitate more. He's averaging your average 20 and 10 last year. I think he has the ability to kind of convert a lot of that, you know, facilitating to his own offense. So I don't think he's a different player. I just think the NBA has moved away from what he does as an individual and teams aren't focused around his style of play. We saw the peak of what a James Harden centric team was in 2018 on that Rockets team with Chris Paul. And we saw them almost beat the Warriors, but you know, that time has passed. That his job, that specific role, has passed. That team doesn't exist anymore. And I think if you put that team in the modern NBA, you know, make those guys a little bit younger again, I think you can see the same results. You know, I just don't think that that is what James Harden needs to do anymore. Even if he still has the ability to do it, you know what I mean. Well, I'm more so referring to a like a little bit of a difference. The concept where he thinks he can be the number one option on a team still. Clearly right. he can't. Like we've seen that time and time again. I mean, what do you mean you're not a system player? You're coming into LA, right? Behind, excuse me, behind Paul George, behind Kawhi Leonard, in Teron Lu's system. Yes, Teron Lu gives a lot of leeway to his stars to do what they want to do. But still, you're not going to be able to do everything that you want to do. You're not going to be the focal point of this offense. So that's right. my Kawhi point. Paul I just don't understand. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Kawhi and Paul George have been insanely killer this season. Yeah, like, Kawhi has come out. He had 18 points in the first quarter of the game against the Lakers, and both of them have been shooting like 60% from three. That is stupid. I mean, they're, they're just automatic right now. And if James, I, I agree with you, if James Harden thinks he's coming in and he's going to take away you know, the ball from those two guys, he is delusional. I agree with you on that for 100%. You know, he's going to have to facilitate a ton. And I think that's where that's why we're saying Russell Westbrook is going to end up suffering out of that. Mm -hmm. 
I'm right there with you. So, I think that yeah, I think Russell Westbrook think we is agree. the biggest loser. Wait, can we talk a little bit about what this trade means for Philly? Because honestly, okay. I'm not crazy about the Packers they got either. They basically got like KJ picks, Martin, who I think picks. is yeah, a couple of picks. I just don't know if this package is enough to flip later to get a guy like Donovan Mitchell or Zach Levine or one of these disgruntled stars that maybe you would want to add to, you know, give Joel Embiid some additional support. Um, what do you think? Because obviously this is not the final step for Philly. That's what it seems like. This is just an intermediary move until you get one of those stars. But do you think this is enough? I don't know. I I think Philly's kind of just in a bad spot because they've had to do this before. Flip other pieces. Like they had to flip Ben Simmons to get a disgruntled star in James Harden. And I don't like this idea. I think the worst thing they could do is go and get Donovan Mitchell because he was disgruntled star in Utah, who's now a disgruntled star in Cleveland, who would then be a disgruntled star in Philly. A disgruntled yeah. star will always be a disgruntled star wherever they go, unless they're winning rings. And that's just not realistic for certain organizations or cert you know, you can't just give away all of your assets to get a player and then that player expect you to win immediately. You know, so I think, you know, maybe Zach Levine is a realistic option for them. I think the Bulls are going to have to blow it up, and I think it's too late. The Bulls always do this. They always blow it up a little bit too late, and they're going to suffer from, like, what they can get out of it. So I think they can get Zach Levine. But I do not think they should try and wait and see what happens with Donovan Mitchell. Because, for one, I don't think they have the assets, and I don't think they should go after another disgruntled star who was disgruntled before. What do you think... If you had to choose between getting DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, if you're the Sixers, who do you go for? Zach Levine. He's he's younger. Ultimately, but is he better he, in the playoffs? No. Is he more De, proven? DeRozan's, DeRozan's definitely the better player. He's more consistent. There's no question about that. But you have to value the youth that Zach Levine has. He's very athletic. I think he fits the modern NBA a little bit better. And even if DeRozan's like the more clutch the better player like you know NBA has moved away from the mid-range has moved away from what he does and we've seen what a DeMar DeRozan team can do you know Zach Levine I think is a better you know secondary star because he doesn't need the ball in his hands DeMar does mm. a little bit more for sure gotcha well I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with Philly but I'm excited to see what yeah. this new look Sixers looks like with all these additional pieces I think that you know Doc River or sorry Wow, old Havis die hard. Nick Nurse is going to have some interesting <laughs> pieces to play with in terms of constructing some lineups. And to start the season, I also want to give credit to Joel Embiid, also on my fantasy yeah. roster. But he's been amazing to start yeah. the season, incredibly dominant. And he's played, I think, every single game so far. So um, credit to him. Yeah. Keep it going. Let's keep it going, Joel. Um, and hopefully you guys beat the the raptors tonight because i need those fantasy points <laughs> yeah we could talk about fantasy for a while man my my iron man De'Aaron fox is out for an indefinite period of time which sucks but you know kind of gotta live with that but i think that's a good place to call it for this episode yeah definitely um thank you all so much for listening we're gonna hope to get back to a consistent schedule uh yes but yeah thank you all so much and we'll catch you next week take care peace